We're going to move into our time, <coughs> excuse me, of prayer and meditation together. So if you did just come into the room, do make sure that your, your cell phones are turned off so we're not interrupted during our meditation time. We'll be blessed with beautiful chanting. Um, this morning's chant is Om Mani Padme Om. It's one of my favorite uh, personal mantras, Om Mani Padme Om. And our meditation time is a practice time. It's a time for us to go into a space of stillness, into a, a place of being open and present to the experience that spirit, by whatever name we call spirit, would have us have. So take a moment to find a comfortable position in your chair. Let your feet rest flat on the floor. Let your hands rest comfortably in your lap. When you feel ready, go ahead and close your eyes. And just take a moment with your eyes closed to do a very quick scan of your body, a very quick scan of where you are right now. And I don't mean physically where you are, but kind of how are you feeling? How's your body feeling? Any tightness? Any discomfort? feeling great and with the simple act of closing your eyes continue to let your attention become focused within allowing your attention to land on the breath Noticing the breath without judging it. Simply noticing it. And go ahead and take a deep conscious breath in, being fully aware of the breath filling your body. And as you let that breath go, continue to follow it with your attention and practice the feeling of letting go. Take another deep and conscious breath in. And as you let that breath go, practice the feeling of being right here in this room in your body and a third deep breath in and as you let that breath go aware of the exhalation and practicing the feeling opening up opening up Continue to be aware of each mindful breath. Steady, yet gentle, focused attention. And if your attention wanders, gently bring it back to the very next breath with love and kindness, no judgment.
And so we continue to deepen into our shared practice of quiet and stillness. Attention following each breath that comes into the body, following each breath that we release. Quiet mind, peaceful, relaxed body. Allow your attention to drop into the area of the heart, the center of the chest. Imagining each conscious breath moving in and through the heart. Quiet mind. Relaxed body. Heart-focused attention. For the next few minutes, practice holding a positive feeling such as love, appreciation, joy, or peace. Imagining yourself breathing that quality in and then breathing that quality out as a beautiful, radiant blessing. Breathing that quality in. Breathing that quality out. A beautiful, radiant blessing. Continue to practice for the next few minutes in complete stillness and silence, heart-focused attention, breathing in that quality, breathing it out as a radiant blessing.
aware of the music beginning to fill the room once again. Allow your attention to begin to rise to the surface, taking a moment to privately give thanks for the experience of being together in a time of prayer and meditation. And then taking a nice deep breath in and letting that breath go and when you're ready to just gently open your eyes and feel that feeling of namaste. And so it is. And so it is. Amen. Alrighty, so enjoying the whole journey. Sometimes it's easy to do that, isn't it? Yeah? You seem kind of lukewarm with that. I think it's easy sometimes to enjoy the whole journey when things are kind of going well and smoothly and happily and the way that I thought they were going to go. It's really easy to enjoy that. And when it doesn't so much look the way I think it should or feel the way that I want it to or doesn't make sense at all or seems tragic, can be really hard to try to enjoy the whole journey. You know, I was thinking about just that statement, enjoy the whole journey, as I was thinking about the recent events of, in Orlando and recent events in, in history. And maybe at certain times, while we know that ultimately spiritually it is about being able to embrace the whole journey and enjoy the whole journey, maybe sometimes we need to be able to step into that more gradually and ease our way in by learning better how to simply be with the whole journey of life, whether it is unfolding in the way that we dream it to unfold and want it to unfold or not. I want to share with you four simple practices. I think that they are spiritual practices, and I'll touch upon a few techniques that can help make those practices come to, to life in your life. They're practices that certainly I pull out and I use when I am traveling. I certainly use these practices in many different situations in Peru, but I use them in my day-to-day -day life as well. And the more that I have been committed to a spiritual way of life, the more I have been in this teaching and this practice, the more I have come to really value and appreciate some of the very simple teachings and some of the very simple practices. For I know that in my life experience, when things get kind of crazy and difficult, whether very hectic or just, um, just challenging or disappointing, that my mind and my heart want to hold on to some very simple practices to kind of guide me through those experiences. You know that as we work at the level of consciousness that our mind begins to change and you probably are also aware now that when your mind changes, your brain begins to change as well. Mind and brain are not the same thing. Brain is a physical organism. As we work at the level of mind, as we work at the level of consciousness and begin to think differently and then therefore act differently, not only is the mind and consciousness changing, but those changes are bringing about physical changes in the brain itself, which then continue to support the more positive or negative 
ways of being that we are practicing. So the four practices that I want to share with you this morning are not practices you have not heard before. If you've been on the path for any length of time, you've heard these before. My invitation and challenge to yourself and to myself is to turn up the volume on these practices, to turn up the consistency of practice on these simple ideas. The first one is this, be mindful. Say that with me. Be mindful. Be mindful. The second practice we're going to look at is be patient. Say that with me. Be patient. Say it with a smile on your face. Be patient. The third one is let go. Say that with a smile too. Let go. Let go. And the fourth one is notice you're all right now. Together, notice you're all right now. Place your hand on your heart and personalize that statement. Notice I'm all right now. Notice I'm all right now. So looking at these practices, I love how God works. I love the statement that coincidence is the name that God uses when God wants to remain anonymous. So I've been looking at my notes for my talk throughout the week as I have, it's part of my practice, I always look at my notes throughout the week before I give my, my message. And wouldn't you know it, I'm in the car yesterday listening to NPR and what do I turn tune into but the TED Radio Hour and what talk am I hearing but a talk being given by a um, psychiatrist who is a professor of uh, professor of psychiatry at the University of Massachusetts. His name is Justin Brewer, and his talk is, Can Mindfulness Help You Stop Smoking? And the whole talk that he was giving was about the applicability of mindfulness, not just as a spiritual practice that we might associate with Buddhism, but as a practice that can be used to bring about significant change through many different areas of our lives. And he talked about how, as he became aware of mindfulness as a spiritual practice first, that he noticed that it was usually taught in connection with the idea of overcoming, striving, and struggling, and suffering, and grasping, and learning how to be present with ease and grace. And he noticed in some of the language that was used to describe what the practice of mindfulness attempts to overcome, that many of the things it attempts to overcome are at the root of many physical addictions that people experience. And so he, as a psychiatrist, became interested in, well, could the practice of mindfulness help with addiction? And without going into his talk any further, the conclusion from his research was, in fact, that yes, it can. Mindfulness has enormous benefits. It is not something we simply do when we sit down to meditate. It is not simply a spiritual practice. It is a practice that helps us to be able to become more aware. It is a practice that helps to shift the brain physiologically. It is a practice that can help us to move into a place of 
peaceful acceptance with whatever it is that is happening in our life experience. Because the benefits of learning to be more mindfully present are so significant, we are now living in a time where the practice of mindfulness is being taught in many different places from correctional facilities, to schools, to hospitals, to corporations, because the benefits are real and the benefits are measurable. Unfortunately, for many people, we, many people have not learned and cultivated the ability to focus their attention at will. And that is the result the, the, the goal, if you will, of learning mindfulness practice, to be able to focus your attention at will. Why is that important? It is important because when we are able to focus our attention at will, when we are able to be more mindful, we will have, number one, a clearer mind. We will be a much more open channel for spirit, for God, whatever you want to call that. We will experience physical benefits, physiological benefits. We will also experience that we are able to be much more authentic and much more real with the people that we are interacting with. So how do we, other than just saying, I'm going to practice being more mindful today, how can we break it down and make it be a little less vague, a little less broad and more specific? I think one very simple thing we can do is to actually set aside a few minutes every single day to specifically and deliberately practice being mindful. You know, to say I'm going to live the whole day being mindful is kind of a big thing to do, right? But to say I'm going to practice developing my mindfulness abilities, my mindfulness muscle, if you will, by focusing my attention for three, four, five minutes every day deliberately on a specific thing helps then to anchor that practice so that we're then able to expand the ability to be mindful in a broader, more consistent way. In our meditation practice, we use mindfulness breathing. So paying attention to the breath is certainly one aspect of mindfulness, but it doesn't have to be the breath. You could choose to practice mindfulness for three, four, five minutes every day around sound, for example. You could tell yourself, every day as I'm driving to work for five minutes, I'm going to turn the radio off and I'm just going to practice listening to the sounds in my car, the sounds all around me. By learning to focus one's attention in small segments, we will get better at being able to call upon our ability to be mindful whenever it is that we need it. We could similarly decide that we're going to practice being deliberately mindful around a single repetitive task that we do every day. Give me an example. What might be a mundane repetitive task you do every day? Brushing your teeth. That was the first one that came out at first service as well. Any other ones? Making the bed. Showering. Okay, let's just take those three. Brushing your teeth, making the bed, or showering. You pick one. And you say, so when I brush my teeth, I'm really going to pay attention to brushing my teeth. I'm going to notice what that tooth, toothbrush feels like in my mouth, or the sound that it makes, or the taste of the toothpaste, or the vibration if it's an electronic toothbrush, or making your bed, whatever it may be. Really bringing your full attention to that experience. 
what I will promise you is it sounds much more simple to do than it really is. You will find, I bet you, that your mind wants to jump while you're trying to pay attention to that toothbrush to your to-do list or something else or an unresolved conversation you've had with someone. Thank yourself when you notice that your attention has not stayed on the toothbrush, if that's where you're being practicing being mindful, and bring it right back, bring it right back, bring it right back. So the first practice is be mindful, be mindful. What was the second practice? Be patient, be patient. Is there anybody in this room that still struggles a little bit with being patient? Raise your hand if you are. Yeah, me too. I promise you, do not ever get behind me in a line. I know I should not keep affirming this. I don't know if it's a result of affirmation or just every single line I pick, no matter where I am or how few people are in it, will be the slowest moving line. And I'm convinced now it is because learning to be a more patient person is something that's important to me. And I believe that it is more difficult today. I really do believe it's more difficult today to be patient than it was a generation or even two generations ago. And I, the reason I think it's more difficult to be patient today is we've got so many things in our lives, so many, many devices and conveniences that have collapsed time and quickened time for us that we live in a milieu of speed and now. I mean, let's face it, people say if a, if a website page takes more than three to five seconds to load, forget it. Or if you have to click more than two steps to get to where you want to go to buy something, forget it. There's so much that has, has caused us to live in this hurry up now kind of society that we've forgotten, most of us, how to flow more patiently. I was talking about this topic, obviously, at first service, and, and Jim came up to me after service and said, I love the practice of patience, and I experience it most in my garden. I can't hurry the stuff up to grow. And you've heard me say this many times before, when we mess with Mother Nature and try to have Mother Nature hurry up growing something like a tomato, it never winds up tasting like a tomato. It might look like one, but it doesn't taste that way. Why? Because things take a certain amount of time to unfold. Just reminding ourselves, whether it's as we're driving to work or standing in that line, or we catch ourselves in that hurry up physical state, to breathe in and be patient is an important practice and it will work if we will take the time to simply remind ourselves, ah, be patient. Wednesday I was teaching a class here at the center at, on ancient wisdom for modern times. And one of the quotes that I used, I don't remember the exact quote, but it had to do with the idea I think it was a Longfellow quote. It had to do with the idea that if we could but see into the heart and soul of our enemies, we would much better understand 
how they are the way that they are, and we could be more compassionate was kind of the gist of this particular quote. And because this class was also a discussion class, one of our members said, you know, I hate to sound negative, but I've just got to bring this up. So what do you do with a teaching like that, that on one hand you know is true, but what do you do with that around ISIS? What do you do with that around Orlando? And we got into what I thought was a pretty deep and pretty significant conversation. And part of what I shared is I believe that this practice of patience is key to bringing about the kinds of changes that you and I long for, and the vast majority of people in the world long for, a world that is peaceful, a world that is just, a world that works for everyone with no one and nothing left behind. But we're not there yet. We know that we're not there. And when we see things and experience things like Orlando and, and other examples, it can be difficult to remember. And the human response, the lower level human response, is often to meet these things with violence. And what we know, if violence worked to solve our world's problems, they would have been solved by now. But that's not to say that we're just gonna have a love-in and everything's gonna turn out all right. That's naive thinking. The kinds of changes that need to happen are the kinds of changes that are gonna take time, time that we're not used to giving, time that's going to be demanded of all of us, time that works at the level of the cause, not the symptom time and patience that works at the level of healing things systemically. Why is there the degree of hatred? Why is there the degree of violence? And how, as a human family, do we exercise wisdom, action, and patience to ultimately bring about the changes that we all long for? So whether it is looking at the very real issues in the world, or whether it is looking at how we show up in our own life, patience is a key element. Ask yourself, or stop and think for a moment, of a significant personal behavioral change you've wanted to make in your life. Can everybody think of, of one? And maybe you've already made that change, or maybe you're still in the process of working on it. Ask yourself, did that change happen as fast as you wanted it to? No. No. Change takes what? Time, and it takes practice, and it takes work, and it takes patience, and it takes awareness. If change on the individual level takes all that, why would we ever think that change on the human family level would take any less? It's gonna take the same kind of thing. So be patient. What was the third practice? Let's say that with little joy. Letting go, let go, let go. Now there are times and places in life where not letting go is really important. If you are rock climbing, it's probably important not to let go, at least not prematurely, right? If you are holding the hand of a toddler walking across a busy street, it's pre probably really important not to let go. If you're in a sticky, tricky, ethical situation at work, 
it's probably important not to let go of your character, your honesty, your integrity. But on the other hand, there are lots of things that you and I need to let go of. You want to name some of them? Grudges, anger, judgment, huh? resentment. Yeah, these are some of them. How about old negative beliefs we've held about ourselves? How about negative beliefs and judgments we've made on whole groups of people? How about biases and prejudices? How about rigid opinions? How about shame? How about guilt? Lots of things that are important for us to let go of. Our old pictures of ourselves, bad habits that we have picked up. Letting go can mean lots of different things. Letting go can mean dropping the thoughts, words, and deeds that are causing us suffering or harm. Letting go can mean yielding rather than breaking. Letting go can mean allowing each moment to pass away without trying to hold on to it. The practice of letting go. A Buddhist teacher, Aja Khan, wrote, if you let go a little, you will have a little happiness. If you let go a lot, you can have a lot of happiness. If you let go completely, you can be completely happy. Letting go requires, I think, a certain amount of strength. Being able to let go when you don't know what the next step is to take requires courage. It requires faith. Being, let, being willing to let go of things that don't work for you anymore but have were familiar, requires a certain amount of wisdom and trust that you can step into something new and better that will work for you. We can look at letting go on a purely physical level, letting go of the clutter in our homes, in our offices, in our cars. So letting go is a very important spiritual practice. Say it with me one more time, letting go. Ask yourself right now, do a quick check-in. What is it that you've been holding on to that you, know you, that you know it is now time for you to let go of? What is it? And what if you went upstairs today after service and sat with a prayer partner and said to them, I'm ready to let this go. Will you simply see that for me Will you simply know that for me? Will you believe that for me? You see, it also takes courage, I think, to reach out to another and say, you know, I'm trying to make this change and I think I could use some help here. And the help is right there. Well, there too. <laughs> and it's right here as well. So letting go. What was the fourth practice? Yeah, notice I am all right now. Let's say that again. Notice I am all right now. You know, our ancestors lived with the brain that still exists in us, the old brain, which is wired to consistently scan our environment for anything 
that could be a potential harm or threat. It's almost as if in the backdrop of our mind there is always this trickle of unease or this whisper of worry. As spiritually awakening beings, we have the ability to override that and begin to remind ourselves of the all rightness we are experiencing in this moment here and now. It is true that you may be going through some very difficult experiences in your life right now. I've recently talked to members in our church, one who's lost a parent rather suddenly, another whose marriage is likely ending with two small children, another who is facing some unpleasant news um, physically and emotionally, another whose family member's life is being torn apart through domestic violence. People deal with stuff, and just because we are practicing spiritually doesn't mean that stuff doesn't happen to us. It does. But what is important for us to remember in the midst of that stuff when it happens is to zero in and check in and ask of ourselves, right this very moment, how am I? Right this moment, how am I? What I can say, looking at you right now, is right this very moment, you are okay. You're alive, you're awake, you're not starving, you might be hungry, you might be thinking of food, but you're okay, right? Am I right? Doesn't mean that it, that condition is always going to exist, because stuff happens and sometimes we're right in the middle of it. But to remember to hold, it's like a, a life preserver, to remember to hold to the part of you that is all right right now is so important because it will carry you through to whatever it is that you need to experience on the other side. Somebody passed me a note after, after first service, and I'm gonna try to share the joke that they, they wrote on a piece of paper. They said, so an optimist falls out of a building, a 20-story building, and on his way down, at each floor he says, I'm all right, so far. I'm all right, so far. I'm all right, so far. It's that kind of practice, right? Are you all right right now? Yes, so far. You're all right right now, so far. You practice that then all the other practices we've talked about, being patient, being mindful, being present, letting go, will equip you with whatever wisdom and insight and decision you need when it seems like, okay, the ground is right there now and I need to do something. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Okay, so quickly again, the practices were be mindful, be mindful. What was the second one? Be patient. What was the third one? Let go, what was the fourth one? You got him. And let me close with this quote from His Holiness the Dalai Lama. If you have fear of some pain or suffering, you should examine whether there's anything you can do about it. Examine whether there's anything you can do about it. If you can, then there's no need to worry about it. Why? Because you're gonna go do whatever you need to do about it. If you cannot do anything, 
there's still no reason to worry. <laughs> right? Because you can't what? Do anything. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. All righty.